Hello, Goat Gabbers! For our 26th episode of Goat Gab, we welcome Mark Baden from Tacoma, Washington as our special guest. Not only is Mark a nationally acclaimed alpine breeder, he is a judge, a former appraiser, and a current AGA board member. Join us as Mark talks specifically about AGA's linear appraisal program and the NG software conversion. Welcome back, Goat Gabbers, to another exciting rendition. I'm Cameron. And I'm Laura. And today we have a very special guest, director, Adga judge, Adga national show judge, um, and many other accolades and accomplishments, um, Mr. Mark Baden. Mark, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. Mark, do you want to introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about where you grew up and talk about your herd? Well, I uh, started in uh, registered dairy goats in Northwest Ohio, and my first registered dairy goat was a 4-H project that uh, my mom purchased for my sister and I in 1982. And um, to get a goat was actually my sister's idea, not mine. Um uh, we lived on a large grain operation, a grain farm, and we had sheep and uh, some other animals. And my brother had sheep in 4-H and I had rabbits. And my sister wanted something and she wanted a horse. And my mom said, told her that we couldn't afford a horse. And so then my sister thought about it and she said, well, I want a goat. Because her best friend um, at the fair every year, they her boyfriend had goats and they always hung out in the goat barn. And so she said, well, I want a, I want a goat. And I was the youngest. And so I said, well, I want one too. So my mom um, looked in the RFD News, Rural Farm Directory newspaper. She saw an ad for goat kids for sale. And that Saturday, we drove over to Signet, Ohio. And uh, we met Bill Swope. And um, we got two Alpine Nubian recorded grade kids for a whopping total investment of $90. They were $45 piece. Oh, wow. Can you imagine that? No. <laughs> but, but the great thing about um, there's a, there's two important people in my dairy goat career that I've never actually spoken of um, that have a huge influence into who I have become today with my dairy goats. And Bill Swope, who we bought those first goats from, he was an attorney um, that was his day job, but he had goats, he had Alpines and Nubians, and he was never an ADGA judge, but he would go and, you know, judge 4-H shows. And, um, and so, but it's because of him sitting down at his table when we bought the goats, but he filled everything out for my sister and I to be ADGA youth members. It was never our idea. So you think about how many times if you, you sell goats to people, you know, do you take the time to fill out and encourage them to be an ADGA member? I mean, we had rabbits, but I never was a member of ARBA. Um, we had we had sheep, but we were never members of the National Suffolk Breeders Association. Um, so we never, we, we participated in those agriculture and livestock events in, in those species. But this person, the first person that we met, they set us on the path of, no, you want to be a member and you want these to be registered. And so not that we did anything with those registration papers the first two years, but that was a start. Um, and then, um, so we showed the goats to the county fair and did well. And then two years later, two kids were dry yearlings. And then 
um, when we bred them and they kitted, they had terrible udders. They were horrible. They were not show quality in any way, uh, but they had doe kids. Um, my sister um, wasn't very excited about milking goats, and so she gave me her goat. She signed her goat over to me, and um, and that's the truth where every goat, I have um, 25 goats um, here, one buck and 24 does, and all 24 of those uh, goats go back to my sister's 4-H goat, so um, they go back to her. Wow, how cool is that? So that's, that's the real truth. Um, but the, the second person that's really instrumental um, in my career um, was the very first ADGA show I ever went to. And that was, um, Laura, you might uh, know this, Heart of Ohio Dairy Goat Association in Delaware, Ohio. It was a huge yes, show. Uh-huh. Um, and so they would have uh, one ring on Saturday was Heart of Ohio and one ring on Sunday was Scioto Valley. And the judge on Saturday was Robert Licklider. And, you know, the shows were huge. And Robert Licklider, um, and the showmanship classes were enormous. And all of the regular Midwestern kids from the 80s were all there, you know, and probably, Laura, you were there too. Um, and <laughs> the amazing thing about Robert Licklider was he would ask the kids' names, and he could remember and call you by name the whole, I mean, there'd be like over 100 kids, human kids. And he knew your name the whole day. And like, even we would be showing bucks at one in the morning. And so I always found that amazing that this guy, you know, I didn't have a goat worth a lick whatsoever. Um, and I placed in showmanship, but he still remembered my name. Well, then to come to find out, I had no idea. I never went to an ADGA national show until 1993. That was the first one in Harrisburg that I ever went to. But I did not know that actually uh, when Robert Licklider died, they named um, the senior, it used to be uh, the senior showman winner at the national show was um, was the Robert Licklider Memorial Award. And that's something that's been lost over time, which is really unfortunate because I've been fortunate to judge um, showmanship at the national show five times. Um, I've been a consultant and the head judge for senior showmanship twice. And, and I know it's not on the awards. So that's something that's been lost. So I think about different shows that I've judged around the country that have perpetual plaques or memorial plaques, and and sometimes that gets lost along the way. But Robert Licklider, um, and I believe he was from North Carolina, um, that was the first judge that I ever showed under um, at an ADGA show. And that kind of um, made me decide that when I started judging, I tried to do the same thing. But I fail miserably now in my older age. I can't remember all the kids' names, so I, I mess it up so I do my best, but, um, Mark, <laughs> but yeah, you, you, so that's the you judged early showmanship actually marked it. I don't know if you remember my name or not. Well, I did. Well, that was in, um, in, uh, Gillette, Wyoming. Yeah. No, no. Uh, Minnesota. Oh, and, uh, 12, 2012. Yeah. 2012. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were, oh, I thought you'd aged out by then. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's a no. he's a young pup, Mark. <laughs> he's still young. Well, hopefully, I didn't. Um, uh, hopefully, I didn't embarrass myself then and call you by one of your brothers instead of you. See, that's that, that's the downfall. It's like, oh, you know that that's a funny story. You know, when judging, I remember in um, Columbus in 2018 um, in the Lamacha show. Uh, 
Christy Bozo Baldnegro was my consultant. And um and I sorta of, I mean, we knew who this person was, but we didn't know their name. And and I said, Who are you talking about? And so we referred them to um, you know, their parents' name. So sometimes that gets transferred, you know, you call the kid there. I go, I know, you know, they're her shirt or whatever, but I go like, that's not your name, but I'm calling you, I'm calling you Cameron, but I know you're not Cameron. You're, you know, you're Ed or, you know, vice versa kind of thing. So that, that happens sometimes. So, um, yeah, you, you try not to put your foot in your mouth as much uh, as you can. But uh, no, so that was the beginning. Um, and the goats were uh, always a second or a third operation on a large grain farm. And then um, I uh, graduated from youth ranks in uh, 1989 and went to college and moved around a little bit. I went to a professional school in California for a little bit and then Minnesota. Um, and then I moved to Washington in uh, 1999. And my parents gave me one year to find a place so they could be emancipated from doing goat chores for me. And um, so I found a real humble place and um, my parents, I rented a U-Haul uh, truck and my parents uh, drove my goats and equipment out in April of 2001. And um, they brought the goats out and that was kind of a funny story too. And um, uh, I flew um, four kids as excess baggage. That's back in the days you still could fly goats as excess baggage. Um, so I flew all, uh, four kids that had been born already. My my parents brought the rest of the goats, and the goats have been out here ever since. So um, the goats have uh, taken up all my free time and money ever since then. So yeah, it's been a uh, thirty nine years of fun. I don't have as many uh, years as some people, but um, I'm definitely a lifer. So uh, that's uh, and uh, right now I only have alpines, but I've had you know some other breeds. I wish I had a bigger barn and property. It'd be fun to to uh, work in some of the other breeds, but um, I admire them in other people's barns instead of mine. <laughs> so along the way, your Alpines, um, you've done really, really well with them, including national champions, national junior champions. Um, you've traveled many, many miles with your goats. Um, I know that you've shown in Minnesota and sometimes not always the national shows or the long distance ones for you. Um, looking back over the years, Mark, what is the one thing that stands out in your mind as, as like the most amazing moment in your dairy goat life? Oh, you, as far as showing or um, I, I mean, I don't know that it's kind of like to, to really say just um, one um, thing, but I will say that um, I had a short tenure um, after you, Laura, working for Willow Run, and yes. um, and you know that's many moons ago now. Um, but so when you when you grow up with a real modest hobby and um, and you're doing it yourself, you know it's not you know there's some enterprises where it's a whole family endeavor, and you know and they have you know multiple paychecks contributing to this hobby. Um, but when you you're doing this all by yourself and you're in a breed that has such uh, quality competition nationwide, you know, it's really hard to think that you can compete. And so for me, um, I never, having a national champion was never my goal because, and that's really true. I know some people will not believe that and that's their choice not to believe it, but 
the context that I put the the reason I didn't it was there's no way I could compete with Willow Run and the assets they had and the genetics that they could bring in and I just that was not going to happen. So I decided very early the way to have uh, contentment and to really feel satisfied was I felt the more intellectual part of it was I wanted to breed the premier sire because to me that that was wasn't just one goat you know and you can get lucky um breeding a goat and she has you know it's the perfect cross and you know and the goat didn't get coxie and she grew and she made milk that day and became a national champion but it's harder I felt to um breed a buck that's worthy. And so that's kind of why in my career, I've, I've been chairman of the Sarah development committee. I've been active on the genetic advancement committee. And so I've, I feel that, that I've been consistent in that philosophy and, and I continue to do that type of work and also with the appraisal program. Um, and so to breed the premier sire really has influence in your breed beyond one goat. And because a buck that can do positive things, um, and he has to do that with multiple daughters to get that designation. And so I felt that was really rewarding in 2019. Um, the 2019 National Show in Redmond, Oregon was really like, wow. I mean, I was like floored, shocked, you know, having bred the national champion, uh, I had the, the national premier sire, I'm sorry. And then also the reserve senior champion, that was a spotlight sale animal that I had sold. Um, and then, uh, and then I did okay myself. Um, at that show. So that was really rewarding because um, I always, you know, that was my goal, but I actually, I just resigned that, oh, I'll never do that because I have a small herd. Um, You know, I only freshen like 14 or 15 goats a year. And so that's kind of hard. But when you have, you know, uh, really good customers who take a leap and they buy your genetics and they incorporate it in their breeding program and they do well um, with it, you know, that kind of helps you along the way. So that was really um, exciting for me as a breeder, um, I think, to have the premier sire. And then the last two years, and then see people post on Facebook that they're using that Bach AI. And so so that's really, I got a message from Tracy Stamke yesterday of Soldier Mountain um, in Idaho that she's got another doe due today um, bred to that Bach. And Dr. Lauren Acton, she got a doe kid bred to that Bach. She sent me a message um, so that was really rewarding to see that people want to incorporate that. I only say, you know, part of that um, story of how every one of these goats, including that premier sire, goes back to my original goat, um, my sister's original forage goat, that also includes um, one of my very first um, appraised goats. And she doesn't have that flattering of a score. But so that's why, um, Cameron, in my national show bio, I'm very proud of saying of that sentence that, you know, using performance programs, you know, to make improvements, it's really true. You really can. Um, it, it, a lot of people get distracted along the way. Um, certain hype and, you know, things happen. Um, but if you really stick to it and do your research, um, the programs really can help you make improvements. And if that's, you want to have a commercial dairy and make a paycheck um, with milkers that have sustained lactations of over 3,500, 4,000 pounds, you can do that with performance programs. And if you want to breed um, goats that are structurally sound and do well in the show ring uh, and in the appraisal, you can do that with performance programs. So ANCA really does have great programs. They, there's more room to grow with them. There is, and hopefully we'll see that soon. Um, but I really think that um, 
I, I try very hard to be a champion of that, that, you know, you two, small goat breeder, 4-H'er, dreamer, you know, who wants to do something, you can compete with these commercial herds who've been around for, you know, even longer than you if you just, you know, do your homework. So so that's kind of uh, my thought of incorporating my story and, and what I feel what a, a real highlight was. And, and the nice thing is that's very recent, so I'm not you know, having to go back on 10 years ago. I'm like, what have I done the last 10 years? So hopefully there's, there's good things ahead. That's, that's, that's a pretty amazing story. And uh, wow. That's just, I, I, I wrote some things down and you talked about, and something that I've preached on a lot, especially on this podcast is not getting distracted in your breeding goals, focusing on what your thing is and then setting um, goals for that as well. And you talked about your mentors and the, in your kind of how you got started in the industry. And that's, that's really, really cool. And it's really nice to see that some of the stuff that Laura and I talk about, people have actually, you know, done and, and seen it in the, in the past. Um, but it, it goes to show that some of the stuff that we've talked about, it really, really, really pays off. Well, I, and think I think that makes that... a really nice segue Mark into discussing about linear appraisal. Um, <laughs> We all was that Scarlet. It was yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. your dogs, by the yeah. way. The well, you know, as Facebook Nation knows, I mean, if if I had these dogs before I had goats, I would not have goats. But um, <laughs> but goats got me first. Um. <laughs> oh, they're so cute. Anyway, um, talking about linear appraisal, um, you know, I think you'd have to be living under a rock on another planet to uh, if you said that you didn't realize this was a hot topic in Agga right now. So um, you want to talk a little bit about um, what was wrong with the way things were? Why, why are changes needed to be made in the whole linear appraisal program, Mark? Well, that's, that's a little broad, but, um, (laughs) but you know, you can narrow it where you want to. Well, so I've been, um, involved with the appraisal program for decades. Um, myself, I've had my herd uh, appraised 24 times, and I've even had my herd classified once. Um, so type um, type programs with AVGA began in 1977. So in 1977 to 1987, we had classification. Um, so for your listeners, those classification scores will show up on your pedigrees with a, a CL and then the year in front of it. The unfortunate thing is, is that the, that data is not, that's archival only. It is not used in any sire summaries. Not even the final score isn't used, even though some dated literature might um, say to members that, oh, a classification final score is used in a type evaluation. It's not. So um, that's why you will see um, some does that have milk records and a classification score from the early 80s, they do not have a PTI and they don't qualify for superior genetic. So in 1988 is when appraisal started. And um, and it's grown uh, by leaps and bounds. Um, and we've really outgrown our capabilities in our employee workforce and the management of it in the office. And to keep up in with modernization of our members' expectations. So, so um, I wouldn't necessarily say what was wrong, but also think of this. So the development of the appraisal uh, program 
was being discussed back in 1985, 86, and 87, and it rolled out in 1988. The only enhancement to the appraisal program that has happened in more than a quarter of a century, the only thing as far as traits that are scored is the addition of teat length. So teat length is the first addition and the first, nothing else has been omitted. We've always had, you know, 13 primary traits, one secondary trait. We've had, you know, eight structural traits, you know, th room for three miscellaneous codes, four categories and a final score. Um, that's always been, um, maybe the printouts have looked a little different. The first couple of years, there was only room for two miscellaneous codes and now we have room for three miscellaneous codes. Um, so that's just a different look. Um, and how the sheets look. But as far as data, the data that is collected, the only change we've made is we finally added one trait. So I always like to tell people, you know, you can use the appraisal program to, to breed a beautiful udder. I firmly believe it, and I firmly believe I've done it. I mean, I, I read the first place milking yearling, two-year-old and three-year-old um, alpines at the national show in 19. Um, by owned by different management groups. And so you can use it for memory system because we're very specific in the memory traits. But to fix general appearance is a little bit more of a sticky um, job. You know, when we look at our show terminology and then the data sets that are captured in appraisal. So, so there is need for change in what is recorded because that impacts the employees and the workday because, you know, yeah, this is goat gab. We like to talk for goats, but we can't talk about this one goat for a full hour because you, I mean, you'd never get the whole herd scored. So decisions need to be made on what's, what traits are going to be scored and how long that's going to take. But so that's the idea of the linear appraisal summit. And I worked very hard. If you listen to the, um, minutes of the 2020 virtual meeting and I got funding for a linear appraisal summit to address that and to change. So perhaps we no longer should do utter texture because you milk your goats every day, you know, if they have wonderful texture or not. And we also have a management thing with CDCB and how much, how many traits um, we can have data housed for and calculations run on. And so we only have room for 14, um, primary traits and final score. And so that would involve a negotiation and maybe money. So we would have to maybe, oh, allocate more funds with CDCB oh, if we wanted to add 15 or 16 traits that have, you know, daughter averages and uh, PTAs, predicted transmitting abilities for these linear traits. So, so there is a financial implication. There is a data implication on what we can house and what we can score um, and what we can deliver to the membership that's usable. And so, so that, um, so that has been wanted to be discussed and then also to make the scoring more efficient and so the, and educational for our membership, but also educate our members so that way they're prepared to have a good session. And so that way they, I think a lot of people don't realize until they go to someone else's house and watch their appraisal session, you know, they may think that they have the greatest setup and they're organized and they're all ready, but the appraiser is, you know, driving in the driveway and they open up the door and they go, Oh my gosh, this is what it, my day is going to be. Okay. And they got to put on a happy face. And so that's, so, so that's really the nuts and bolts of what's happened this year. Um, I think that it's been really hard to put on a happy face and with the advent of social media, um, members have been um, 
letting their frustrations know. And we just don't have enough resources to, um, we don't have the resources allocated to help all of those different competing interests of what the membership wants, what the employees want, and what's good for the industry as far as data that can be used to improve dairy goats for whichever your enterprise may be, commercial or private. Um, and so the whole linear summit, nothing has been done on the summit. So I hope that um, you know your members that are listening will maybe contact their directors and, and say, hey, we'd love to see body depth be added. We, that would really be helpful to validate dairy strength or body capacity. Or we'd really like to see rear legs rear view added. I see that they do that in Canadian classification. Um, you know, oh, or I... I really love to see teat orientation. I see they do that in, you know, Finland dairy goats or Icelandic dairy goats. There's a number of classification or type appraisal programs internationally to look from and see how they do it um, to compare. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. But I think that the reason for this year, um, it began with a dissatisfaction of um, pay status, um, for 2020, appraiser employees were to be paid on an hourly basis, um, and how that was rolled out, that was board, voted on by the board at the 2019 board, um, that didn't really get relayed from when it passed to the employees um, in the most ideal way that some felt. Um, and so there was some dissatisfaction with that. And then I know last year when the program was uh, canceled, there was a lot of dissatisfaction, not only from membership because they wanted to be scored, but also some employees wanted to score last year. And, you know, so there's some competing interests. We have members who have their interest of wanting their animals scored. We have employees who want to work because they gain financially, but then that's all being overseen by the association who has a liability, you know, and they have a duty of care for the employees. So it's very, and a lot of our members think, well, what's the difference between the show? Well, judges are independent contractors and employees or appraisers are employees. And so there's a whole different level of duty of care. So, so those are some of the things, you know, with the whole scenario. And then by having the pause and not scoring last year, it was a great opportunity to, hey, let's reset this. Let's change the narrative and let's make it better. Let's, you know, make some videos to show our members what would be a good presentation. You know, what would be, you know, have shade. Don't worry about food, but don't have the appraiser get sunburnt and exhausted. And, you know, so some things like that. And, um, and, I think that that that's kind of what brought things to a head. And then, so we started off real well with the task force um, and they made recommendations on November 15th. And there was a postal ballot, uh, 2021-3. I'll refer to that as three. And that, um, that was passed. Um, it involved appraiser pay, uh, trainee pay, it involved um, raising the minimum stop fee and the animal fees. And then it also addressed um, the, uh, I call it delay of game, like in football, you know, delay of games, a five-yard penalty. Yep. Um, and so, so in appraisal, it's delay of presentations. So it's a lot of times, you know, members are well-intentioned, but they don't have enough help and um, or, or they're real possessive and they want to present each of their goats, but 
they have to go back to the pen and catch the next goat. And so you're twiddling your thumbs for five minutes in between each animal. And, you know, and so that it gets really slow. And we have members who, um, I mean, I've had this said to me, it's like, well, you're, well, I have you for half a day. So, you know, you're here for five hours. And I said, I go, "Mm, you only have seven goats. I mean, you know, you don't own me by the hour. It's we're supposed to score eight goats an hour. And so there's a little bit of um, discrepancy in the expectation. We have members who they want um, a little bit more in depth, um, but it's really taxing on the employee because, you know, they're out in the elements every day and they have to travel. They have to manage their own herd over the telephone and try and salvage their own personal relationships while being on the road for weeks on end. So it's, it's not always easy. So those are some of the topics that brought us to where we are now as far as, um, you know, employee satisfaction, membership demand, and then also um, uh, association oversight as far as like, you know, adhering to the Department of Labor rules as well. So so that's kind of um, where it brought to. And it's really an ideal time to, you know, have a reset because we didn't score last year. So it's a great opportunity to do some enhancement to the SOP, the standard operating procedures. Um, and then the task force did a little extra homework. Um, right now we have um, a, so a second postal ballot came out um, and that was last month or earlier this month in March, that was postal ballot um, number six and that failed. And I know on Facebook, a number of um, members have discussed that. And some people feel that, oh, those directors who voted no, they don't support the appraisal program. And I am here today to say this. That is absolutely false. Because a director votes no on a ballot or a proposal does not mean they are against it. If they're doing their job and their duty of care, and they actually look at the written documentation and it's not supported, they should do the right thing. And so what happened on that number six postal ballot, it had three items. It had um, three items that all had to be voted on as a group, not individually. One of them was the, um, the 2021 appraisal application. Well, it was real simple. The application that they attached was out of date. It didn't address all the members who had paid in 2020 and they carried over their deposit, you know, their $35 deposit. And here are new PPM sent out a nice email saying, don't worry, we're going to carry you over because he had faith that that postal ballot was going to pass. But the actual documentation that was sent to the board of directors for them to vote on did not. It said that you had to pay $45. And when that was brought up, the makers of that postal ballot refused to amend it. And it's, it's as simple as that. They refused to amend it. They were, I asked that day and they did not amend it. And um, they never amended it. There was an amendment um, the day with two and a half hours remaining to amend it different aspect of it, but they didn't amend the um, application fee. So that postal ballot failed. And so that's why there's another delay in dissemination of information, if the membership's wondering, because it should have failed. Because if that postal ballot six passed, then anyone who had rolled over their $35 appraisal application fee, well, you would have owed 10 more dollars. 
and that's just, you know, that doesn't support our new PPM manager. He had faith and sent that out to explain it to the membership. And the whole intent was to reward our membership, you know, for not being able to be scored last year to honor that old application fee. So now we've moved on to post ballot number nine, and that's active now. And uh, it's written differently. It has four parts to it. And each part is individually voted on. And that's a good thing because um, then if you don't like one part, you can vote no on that one part and vote yes on the others and it can move forward. And that's I think that would have been worthwhile if that would have been embraced by the makers of the previous motions. But they refused and that's their prerogative to do so. Um, So what's up right now um, is the application um, to honor the $35 rollover fee. And um, I plan to vote yes on that. Um, a second um, subpart is an updated standard operating procedure. And that's, you know, some real good work by the task force. Um, a third part is the linear appraisal employee handbook. And then there's a fourth item that is... Um, I don't want to get into. Um, it's a little bit more technical on a compensation plan. Um, but my issue with the employee handbook aspect is that um, this was brought up in the discussion period post ballot six, is our hardworking office employees in Spindale who process all of our registration and man the phones and deal with all the complaints of NG, their employee handbook was not up for review by the board of directors. And... Um, we as a board need to care about all of ADGA employees. We shouldn't just care about appraiser employees who are seasonal employees. We need to care about our infrastructure and our talent in the office, um, our managers in the office, our new executive director when we have one hired. Um, again, we need to care about those core employees because without the employees in Spindale, we wouldn't have registration papers. Someone needs to process them and mail them out even if you do them online. And so we need to have a duty of care as an organization for all of our employees equally and not tie our manager's hands, our executive director of the PPM. So that way, if they need to make updates with their consultation with human resources, they can do that. But by making this a board passed document, well, then they can't do anything until the board passes a revision. So, so that's kind of uh, my take on it where we are now. I'm optimistic that we will offer appraisal, but I think that realistically, just because of our limits and infrastructure of the computer system and rolling it out, um, we appraisers have not been hired back from the layoff from the pandemic. However you want to phrase it, laid off, different people call it different things, fired, downsized, whatever, but um, they haven't been hired back. They need to have a continuing education um, plan. We need to discuss a safety protocol because of the pandemic still not 100% over. Um, so I think that it's not that it, it's not realistic to think that we would have uh, members scored before the national show. I think that we're really fooling people. If they really think they can be scored before the national show, that's just not realistic. It's almost April right now. You know, so so I think that it looks good for late July, August, September, October um, appraisals. I think that we'll be able to put something out um, by then um, and move forward. And uh, and hopefully then this fall we'll have a, a linear summit and we can 
go to the next aspect of improving the program so that it's a better resource and they have more tools for members to use in their breeding program. So this delay right now really has nothing to do with the nuts and bolts of, well, can I breed a better goat because of it? It's more administrative things and personnel things that, that have been going on now in this extended off season. But hopefully we can address all of those things again that is uh, member serving, employee serving, and then industry serving as well with the program. So Mark, one of the things that, that it seems like we hear people complaining about over and over, and uh, you've cleared up a lot of that with what you said, is it seems there's a lot of secrecy around uh, the postal ballots and, and um, you know, what actually are the issues that are being worked on. Um, do you feel like that communication is going to be more happening more uh, frequently after these postal ballots are done? Um, can we expect to hear more about this? Um, has, have our directors been updated um, on a regular basis by the task force and just in general ask not to talk about it or um, what can we expect going forward? Well, well, first, in fairness, the task force um, was charged for a, uh, their title was a fast acting task force, and they did their duty. Um, and th that I'm aware of that task force has been discharged, because now the linear appraisal committee should be, you know, it's sort of like they've picked up the ball and they should run with it. You know, so the task force has taken them to the 10 yard line or to the 20 yard line, you're in the red zone now. Okay. Um, so I should have a basketball analogy because it's March Madness. So I'm sorry. I'm still on <laughs> box. But anyway, um, so <laughs> but, um, I'm waiting for that. Trying to, you know, trying to break up in the, in the monotony here. But so, so no, the, the task force has done their job. So I don't want membership to think that they haven't done their job. They did. Um, and, and, and they did. And they worked in overtime on it, too. You know, they worked from... Uh, all the way to November 15th, and then they went from November 15th to February 19th. So they did above and beyond. Personally, I think they did more than they should have, um, you know, but because I know I participated, I responded to surveys as a former appraiser, and then I also participated as a director in, in saying, hey, you know, so linear handhelds, you know, like a glorified tablet or cell phone, right? That's been on, that's been talked about for years, right? You know, U.S. Jersey and Holstein have them. Even, you know, um, Canadian Dairy Goat Classification, CGS, they, they have a handheld provided to them by Holstein Canada. So so they're out there. So members know of them. Well, that's been in our aggregate capital budget for years. And, well, the thing is, is that that is included in NG Phase 2 funding. Well, um, so the task force also worked on that, but it's kind of like, oh, I said, well, you probably shouldn't have because that's already been decided because if NG is going to roll out in January or February when it rolled out in March, um, well, they already had purchased it. So that was kind of, and then the co-chair of the task force said, oh, I, I didn't know that. And I go like, well, I'm just telling you as a director, that's, you know, you wouldn't know because you're not a director. But um, so so they did their work. So I don't want people to think that they didn't. They did. They, they did their volunteer work and they worked on um, – interviewing uh, appraisers and they also worked on uh, enhancing the the SOP the employee handbook and they did a, a lot of work so now so so I don't think that in the updates to the board 
We're very reasonable. I mean, you know, we had a Zoom presentation one time, and then we had a multi-page document that was sent with lots of color. Um, I, I replied a number of times, and I didn't always get the answers that I wanted. Um, and I tried to, I thought I phrased them in a very um, understanding and diplomatic way, you know, that I wasn't, you know, asking uh, being biased as a former appraiser, but also as a director, I represent District 7, and that's District 7 has the most herds, most member herds appraised in a year. We have the highest participation in performance programs of any district. We have more herds on DHIR and appraising than any other than any of the other seven districts. And so, so there's a great interest in my part of the geographic country. And so, um, so no, the linear task force, they've done their duty. And so members should not be disappointed and they should not think that they should be, you know, sending, they told the board what they needed to do. And now the appraisal committee should pick up the ball and run with it. You know, um, so as far as information though, um, you know, the director list is, you know, to be confidential. And so these postal ballots are discussed and sometimes, you know, after general courtesy is waiting after 48 hours. And then sometimes different directors will post the postal ballots on Facebook, what they can disclose. And so members know of them. And, um, you know, and, and so it's, each director is a little different in how they want to communicate with that. So we have a new uh, PPM now. Yes. Yeah. And a new so, performance programs manager. Yes. Jim yes, Vanderland from New York. And so it's neat to see that he's got some experience outside of dairy goats with performance programs and might be able to bring a new perspective in to what we're doing here. How much of an impact has Jim had um, on this whole process? Um, and where does he fit in with all of this? Um. Well, he has reached out to the former appraisers and introduced himself. Um, and I know he's been working with the the Linear Appraisal Committee. He has two co-chairs, uh, Trinity Smith-Melmanis, a former appraiser uh, and director from District 8 in California, and then Daniel Constantine, he's director of Merida in District 4. Um, so those are the co-chairs. So he's worked with them. Um, to revise the um, linear application fee. And the reason that had to be revised, because in our guidebook, and our guidebook is our bylaws, our constitution bylaws. Um, so it says when our deadlines to apply for linear appraisal, well, because we're past that date, that's why we needed to have the postal ballot. So that's why the whole linear appraisal application and then changing the application fees and then the minimum stop fees. Well, even though members may have signed up last year, their signature to the agreement to be appraised was under the conditions of that application fee and, and that minimum stop fee and annual fee. So there's, there's a change in the, in the contractual agreement there. So that's why that needed to be worked on. And so he's worked on that and obviously working with our association manager, Shirley McKenzie, cause you know, dealing with employees, um, they have not hired employees back yet. And I, I believe that they're waiting for this postal ballot nine to finish because obviously they need to be able to know what to tell potential employees, what they can expect their work day is going to look like. Um, and so, I mean, I, I know Jim, um, he's told me that I judged his first ever ADGA show. Um, and so kind of tying in, <laughs> tying in earlier, my story of Robert Licklider. Um, so I was kind of like really, and so he told me, he told me a little story of something I did, you know, and I, this is back in 1995. 
um, in Syracuse, New York. I judged his show. So I judged his first ever Anka show. He told me that. And so that was kind of like, he had no idea what that meant to me personally. I thought, I go, oh, wow, I actually did something. I go, I actually didn't deter you. You didn't leave the ring, you know, all upset. I'm never going to show go again. So, so that was kind of nice to hear that. So, um, yeah, very motivated and lots of dairy cattle experience. And it's published author, I believe, um, has a blog. And so, uh, new perspective. So that's going to be great. Uh, Lisa Shepard's done a fantastic job for 17 years for ADGA, and hopefully we'll see her in a consulting capacity. She has lots of knowledge to offer and certainly knows our, our data and hopefully can provide us some good quality articles in the future. I think that'd be a great opportunity um, for us to learn, you know, someone to actually use our data and analyze that and, and write some informative articles in a consulting capacity would be really wonderful. Um, for the future. But but right now, um, that's as much as I know, um, as far as what his involvement's been. And, you know, he's still, you know, pretty new, learning the NG and learning about DNA and milk records, you know, and how that works in our computer system. And and I know it's been kind of hard because I can't see my milk records in NG yet. So, you know, it's it's still early for him to shine uh, with regard to ANCA programs. So I think, you know, he's now got a three, a two week delay with appraisal because postal ballot six did not pass. And now we're at postal ballot nine. So April 1st, folks, April 1st is when that one ends. So hopefully April 2nd, we're going to know. And um, he's ready to run, you know, into the end zone on April 2nd. Good deal. Yes. Good. I have, I have one last question before we talk about NG and move on to that um, fire storm, as some people have referred to. I've seen some people tag Lisa Shepard and some stuff on Facebook. What role is she kind of having with this whole, is she assisting Jim? Is she kind of on as a consultant? Is she still getting paid by ADGA? What, what's kind of her role in this whole thing here? Well, as I said, she's um, been the performance programs. Uh, well, she was, she started her tenure 17 years ago as a, um, it, she did not have a managerial title and then it, it did change to a managerial title. Um, and so the job of the performance programs manager um, oversees all the appraiser employees and then they work with the performance programs clerk, which is um, uh, Penny Albert um, in Spindale. And, um, but the performance programs clerk does not report to the performance programs manager. It's kind of an odd thing i've been on the executive director task force we tried to redo that and um it's a little complicated um so um so lisa's done uh, all of jim's training i know that you know she's shown him how to do everything in ross because you know that's what works and what we had um and ng was kind of this mystery it's like mm, not quite sure how it's going to work um but they're similar in some ways and so she's you know done his training and um and he's done some shadowing i believe and um and so then you know her intention was to help out and then it's kind of like you know just with goats you know they're at eight weeks old you can kind of think about weaning you know and so <laughs> if he has questions he can ask and and then you know there's some other projects you know like oh if you need some help with this so so she's willing she's been willing to stay on a little longer i mean her original intent was to be retired i believe um december 15th was her plan but in true Anga fashion just like uh Shirley McKenzie stayed for six months, you know, here it is, you know, 
March 26th, she's still working. So, so she's still working um, some for Andrea, but you know, you'll start seeing, you know, your DNA results will be um, emailed to you from Jim and not Lisa any longer. I know I had a member tell me that, oh, I got a message and it was from Jim and it didn't come from Lisa this time. I go, well, that's because that's his job now. And so he's doing, <laughs> he must, he must have gotten signed off on, on DNA results. So, you know, so that's going to change um, over time. And then eventually, um, you know, I, I believe she's been with, she's agreed that she's open to being a contractor, uh, you know, for a certain amount of time. Um, I don't know the details of that, but that's an employee issue. And, you know, I wouldn't want to discuss yep. that, but she's not leaving Antigua cold Turkey. I mean, there's a number of people in the past when they leave or retire or quit, the next day they're done. You know, yeah. um, I had a relationship with the previous, you know, uh, before we called them performance programs manager, but um, the person in, involved with that, that was Liz Stoner. And Liz Stoner, you know, worked for Andrea for years. And if you remember in old turmoil, whenever we had uh, um, a secretary treasurer or association manager resign or quit or leave, or we had one that was fired one time, um, Liz Stoner was the one who always stepped in and was the, the um, interim association manager. And because the performance programs employee, that manager is so critical because they, they interact with not just the office staff, but also industry partners and members and employees, but also knowing how dairy goat data works internationally, you know, with CDCB, the USDA, um, industry partners in Canada and Mexico, uh, research institutions who want data f- to do research papers. And we always want to encourage dairy goat research instead of cow research, because there's plenty of that out there. So the performance programs manager really has, you know, contacts in multi, multiple facets of the industry. Um, and so Liz Stoner would always be the one to, because she knew how Format 1 and Animal ID fit into the equation and milk records. And so, and also knew about registration, obviously knew about, you know, classification back then and appraisal. So, so, um, so that position is real critical for ADGA. Um, I've ad- advocated for years that the performance programs manager needs to have a dedicated assistant to work for them. And um, that has failed and hopefully in the, with the new executive director, uh, that change in employee assets in the office will be reconsidered. Um, and that, and the members will see a benefit from that. Um, they won't have to wait weeks for their um, appraisal application to be processed because it has to fit in line with all the registration stuff. And that's what I think a lot of members don't understand is um, I had a member tell me that they had an, in the segue for Cameron going into NG. They said, oh, well, I called the office and I got a hold of the office and they said, oh, just mail it in and write attention penny and penny will do it for you. And it's like that. And I told this member, that's wrong. That's wrong. Everyone should wait in the same line. I go, you're trying to jump the line. And that's not fair. And plus, that puts Penny, an employee, in a bad situation. Because while her primary job is performance programs, she has to do her share of registration work. Because the compensation plan for all of the employees, non-managerial employees there, is their turnaround time on registrations. And so, of course, Penny doesn't just get to answer appraisal and DNA and milk testing questions. She's also going to do rush registration work too. Um, so that's uh, and and with the all these hiccups with NG right now, 
members are scrambling and trying to find any avenue or, you know, um, sympathy to get their work done. And it, it's very trying. And that puts stress on our employees in the office, too, because, you know, I fear that we'll have um, a greater loss of employees in the office before we're all done with this. Um, I think that that's something that we really need to, as a board and as a an association, we need to be concerned about what's happening there on in Spindale. Yeah, great. Awesome. A lot of information there. Awesome. I think it's a perfect transition to move to talk about um, what's happening with the next generation GOAT register, registering system, NG. Um, some people have called it no-go. Um, others have just cursed at it. Or if you're my father, you've taken to doing everything old school um, as well. So my first question about NG and moving right along here is why can't we go back to the old Ross system? Well, I wish that on March 3rd, we did. Okay. But it's now March 28th. And that decision needed to be made immediately. Um, and I'm not a decision maker when it comes to things like that. Mm-hmm. I did my part in voicing that, hey, I really think that, okay, we tried it, didn't go as good, maybe we should go back now um, before any more issues. And um, the longer we wait, then it's we have this compromised data of we have I've added money to my account in the last three weeks. And now how can that be reconciled and put back into Ross? So there's a financial implication. And I think that that decision, we're past that now, sadly, um, unless we want to have an even, well, all the work that's been done in the last um, 27 days, what happens with that work? Do you have to reapply? Well, then do you have to re-register those goats? And how does that work with animal ID? Well, then are those registration numbers gone forever? How, do, how does that impact our accounting? Because, you know, we release our annual report information and there's a lot of pride. And I know that certain members really enjoy seeing, look how many, you know, purebred Oberhasleys were registered last year, you know, or it's like that, right? You know, little data points. We got a lot of statisticians in our membership. Um, so, so I think that, that that ship has sailed. I think that, you know, the lifeboat hasn't sank. We're still in the lifeboat. And I know it's very turbulent out there. Trust me. I've been swallowed enough salt water in the last three weeks. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> um, but um, so I think that that's the best answer. And I wasn't, a, I'm not, a while I'm on the board, that decision is, um, I don't know who makes that decision to an extent. If it's necessarily the IM committee, the IM manager, the association manager, or the executive committee, that hasn't been communicated to the 31 member board of directors at large. Um, so I don't have an answer to that, but I think that we got to move forward. And I know it doesn't look pretty, and it's not condoning it, um, but that's why I believe it, it's just too much time has went by. We just can't go back to Ross now. That should have been done the first week. And I wish it would have been. I do. Yeah. So kind of along on that same question though, Mark, one of the things that I've had people ask me is 
why when it became apparent that it was going to have to be delayed until March, why was the decision made just to go ahead and delay it until this fall, put it off another six months, hopefully do some more testing and um, wait until we're out of the busy season? What was the rush to go ahead and push it through in March when Ag is probably at its busiest at that point? So I agree with that assessment um, that it's not an ideal time of year. What was the reason? I don't know that answer, but I want to, but let's have a little history lesson. So we've been working on this Ross NG thing for a little while. And what was the um, news at the 2019 board of directors meeting with the IM report? What was the anticipated rollout date given for that? So that's the one thing it's, in modern times with instant information on cell phones and computers and internet, you know, we really, um, we really move on quickly. But if we look back, it was supposed to be rolled out in 2020 in March. But the thing was the association manager, Shirley McKenzie said, Oh no, my employees can't handle that training in rush season. And she asked, for it to be delayed until the fall. And it was agreed that we would have it go live, I believe in August or September. And so why that wasn't communicated again this year, I don't know that answer, but I know that that topic has been made in the last two years. And that advice, that request from the Spindale office was granted, okay, we won't go live in, you know, February, March, April. We'll wait until rush, you know, registration season is over. And why that was was forgotten and put out this year, I don't know that answer. I'm just a board of director, I, but I do have a memory. And I do know that that request was made in the past and it was granted. And this time, no one said anything about it and they put it out. And so... So that's what members listening should think about that. Um, you know, when you're asking for, that's why candidates for board of director, it's like you really, you don't want someone who's, who doesn't have enough miles on their wheels. You know, they need to have more steps on their hoofs, you know, um, <laughs> not, not so green, right? And so, yeah. you know, that, that if they have, you know, I'm an old guy now, sadly, I'm not young anymore, but, uh, but, you got it, but you can't quickly forget what we've done in the recent past. And that's what can help us in the future. And so that's why, you know, the things that I'm mentioning here, you know, waiting, that would be such a support to our office staff. And so talking about an employee handbook and we need to care about Spindale employees as well. And just like this is very hard for them, you know, all the, who wants to have the phones ringing off the hook and the same disappointed member on the other end of the line? And so, yeah, um, why did it go out? I don't have that answer, but um, you could ask, um, you could invite other members in higher leadership and perhaps they have that answer, but I, I don't have that answer. Well, thank you for your candid, or your being honest and open, and I appreciate that. And it sounds like, if I'm reading you correctly, the directors have been in on the dark on this just as the members have. Does that sound pretty accurate? Well, Dark, I mean, you know, I certainly, 
I certainly am finding out a number of NG issues from Facebook like 20,000 other ANGA members are. I, I certainly am finding out things there before I'm finding them out in a director email. Yes, that's true. Um, so we, we, in the past, had gotten um, a little more regular um, IM updates. Usually the board of director gets um, monthly updates from the association manager. So, so this is what, you know, this is what your directors know. Uh, so every month, um, Shirley McKenzie sends out a, an email with a number of attachments, a number of financial information, because we need to know how the association is doing. Can we meet our payroll? Can we pay our bills and our expenses? Um, you know, so that way the votes that have financial implications, the directors are knowledgeable of. So there's obviously financial, um, you know, statements of deposit, you know, which accounts, you know, how much money are we bringing in for DNA, how much money for people signing up for milk testing and, and various programs. The, and, and, and we do get, you know, and we have a comparison of this is what um, February 2021 looked like compared to February 2020. So we have a, you know, a one year, you know, are we doing better? Are we doing worse? You know, so directors are given that monthly they get a performance programs update so they know exactly every month this is how many dna requests and you know they get a report from the performance programs manager so all the management teams performance programs information management and the office they all submit their monthly report a status report to the board and they get that um and so so i have that directors are given that information and if it's not contained therein well, then you have to go to your own personal contacts and, and people that know things. So, um, so, but right now, since March 1st, um, the board is pretty much knows almost the same thing that the membership does because we've had, um, I believe they have a FAQ page for NG and then they have a list of known issues uh, on the website, on the Ross website. Um, so, and that's what we know in the timeline that they say it's going to be fixed. That's what we know. I have asked repeated questions. I'm extremely concerned about accounting. I'm extremely concerned about credit balances. Um, only my own example, no one else's because I, I'm willing to disclose my own. I have a credit balance on my account. Um, I paid for some work that's stuck in my shopping cart and, and, and they charge my credit card and that it's still in my shopping cart and I can't use my account balance. So for me to get it out of my shopping cart, I'm going to have to pay again. And that's not fair. So trust me, it happens to directors too. Um, and, and so, so that's a, so the account balance is an issue. And then I've also, um, I have been successful in getting goats registered. So I do encourage people to at least, Try to log in. I know everyone that says, oh, I haven't even tried to log in. Please try and log in. Please just try that. Just make sure your your pin works. Just get in. I, mean, I am amazed at some of the issues members are having. I don't deny that they're having them, um, but that their tattoo sequence isn't available. I mean, I'm thank goodness I haven't had that problem, but I'd be very personally upset if my tattoo sequence I've used for 39 years isn't available. Um, so, so I would really encourage, um, to, uh, at least try and log in, um, and just, just look around and every week it is getting a little better. I mean, it is, it's kind of glacial speed that it's improving, 
but um, you know, there's some things that are that are getting better, and there are directors. There's a couple of postal ballots going out um, or being talked about um, to extend um, a grace period. On um, I know one of the postal ballots out right now is to offer if you mail in. Um, registration work that it would be honored at the online rates. And then the DNA data transfer fee of $15 would be waived um, from March 1st until um, I believe we can start ordering DNA um, a couple of days ago. So it was probably through March 26th or 25th that DNA data transfer would be waived if you tested directly through VGL. Um, So those are um, some things that are being discussed, but no, that that's what the board knows. Uh, th- not a whole lot different um, than what the membership knows. Other than I, I hope the executive committee knows more. I'm sure they do, um, but uh, in the IM committee, but um, that's as much as I know. So looking ahead, you hear a lot of things. Oh, that's part of phase two. You mentioned uh, the handheld devices for our appraisers as part of that. Has there even been discussion about when they're thinking they might get to phase two? Well, um, there is an original timeline that I believe um, has been included in the year-end report for the IM committee. And, and again, so my enunciation might, might not be that good. So I am information management, I am. So, um, but I'm not sure if, because we don't have a members only section in NG, you can't access old committee reports. And so that's a real frustration part for members and myself, especially. We. I can't even access our membership directory, the old 2020 version. We can't even access old um, news and events because those were all, you had to be signed in. Well, when you sign in, you're in NG and all that hasn't been uploaded to um, the NG website yet. So I'm hoping that they will do that by the end of the month so members can look at these mid-year reports for this year, but also previous years. And so if once you have that ability, I would encourage members to look for the 2019 and 2020 end of year report for the information management committee. And it should be multiple pages, but also there should be timelines on that. And that would tell members what they can anticipate in the future. And so we're behind, obviously. <laughs> so it's <laughs> large. We're trying to fix really hard, um, trying to row for shore in that rowboat. Um, you know, get around in the icebergs that are there ahead. But uh, so um, so phase two would be um, the priority thing for phase two is linear handheld. And then also included in that is national show and national convention entry. And, um, and then there's a few other smaller things um, in phase two. Well, the hiccup for phase two is actually the funding for phase two. So for members who have who watched the 2020 Board of Directors meeting, um, and there's a budget, and there was a, a lot of phrasing on the approval of funding for phase two. Um, and that's a, a very emotional topic on the board that um, hopefully members listening here will be able to inquire with their representation and they can bring about effective change for the future to ensure that 
funding for phase two projects will be secured in a way that we can move forward. <laughs> well, well, we'll look forward to when we can access or get into our Edgar accounts and looking at those committee reports, when we can access those things, of course. Um, thinking about that, though, when have the directors been notified of a time that it would return to some type of normalcy where we can log into the system and at least go through the motions of of registering a goat or getting a goat registered or or having less issues when does do the directors have any knowledge of when normalcy might come back or are you guys again just in the dark as we are no i i have a, a very simple answer to that no <laughs> okay <laughs> That so, makes sense. What we know is what the timeline. So um, I will. I'm doing my best here on another screen. I'm not trying to. Um, I hope I don't disconnect with you. You can edit this part out. So okay. So I'm on the Anvil website right now. Um, so posted on March 24th. Next gen uh, known issues. So that's on the on the Ross page. So right now it shows that. Um, on March 26th, two days ago, a number of items should have been fixed. I can tell you that account balances, it says it's in testing completion estimate March 26th. That is not fixed. Um, I can tell you that third and fourth generation pedigree fixes. It says completion estimate March 26th. That did not happen. Um, I can tell you that um, now the next timeline says April 2nd, next week, data conversion issues and interface with CDCB. That allows for milk records um, and also best in show wins to be reported. Um, and then there's another one on April 9th. So so that's what we know. We ha The board has not been said anything differently. That listing, um, so if you go, it's adga.org slash next generation known issues is the website but um there's a number of other things where they list um of successes where they say items that are fixed so the real important thing is for members to look at that so one thing i've, I've read a number of members saying that they're linked memberships so you know like laura you and your daughters might have different accounts but maybe you register the goats for your daughters well, you want to be able to access that. So it says that on March 19th, that was fixed. It allows members to register animals to a herd name based on ownership of the dam. And if that does not work for you, then you should fill out a support ticket so they know, no, that's not fixed. Um, it is fixed. I, oh, I'm, for your, it didn't work for you. Yeah, it did work for me. So that is one <laughs> thing that is fixed. And, and honestly, I don't, I don't want to sound like a Pollyanna, but there's a lot of really cool features Oh sure. The, once they get wrapped, you know, once they get these issues wrapped up, I think we're going to love it. I mean, I think it's going to be really awesome. It's just like anything else. Getting to that point has been horribly painful. Yeah, and you know, it, we have quite a few, um, you know, um, growing pains to go through. You know, before weaning, that's for sure. You know, um, the coalition of parts is not there yet. I'm seeing this and I'm looking at this and it looks exactly similar to what I do in my day-to-day -day job. And I see, you know, assignment to developers, 
tests being done, bugs being fixed. My question for you is in when it says status and testing, who is testing? Is that the ADGA staff? Is that our contractors that are testing it? Is it members of the IM committee? Um, who's testing this stuff to make sure it wor actually works? I have not been told who that is. I would okay. assume... I would assume you now, and and I say this with all seriousness and in support of the American Dairy Good Association, because I want it to succeed. I have American Alpines. I don't have French Alpines. I don't have another registry in the United States that I can go to. Okay, so I want AMGA to succeed. This is not um, any you know pulling the rug out from anything, but that that's another thing. Of we had beta testers. Um, a lot of people signed up. For it, few were selected. I don't know the criteria that was used because when you get when you're a director and you ask a lot of questions, then the immediate pushback is, "Oh, you're trying to micromanage the situation." It's like, no, I have some valid input to offer here. Um, I beta tested things before in 2005. I found the plus plus buck issue that was wrong. I found that they flipped rear order height and rear order arch PTAs around. And I submitted all that stuff. Phil Cassette made a joke at the 2019 board of directors that said, well, this isn't going to work if, if Mark doesn't beta test it. And everyone roared in laughter. <laughs> it's on the media minutes. You should let, you should read it. And, it be, you know, and they all roared in laughter. And I said, been there, done that. But I didn't get asked to, to beta test and I would have helped um, with it um, if they would have asked, but they didn't. So I don't know who's doing it. I don't think that, Caseflow is the vendor. Um, I don't think that they have people in uh, India that really know um, how to how this really should work. I mean, you have to have people who have goats and say, no, but I know that this goat should be a plus buck, or I know this goat should be a Starbuck, and um, or this isn't a plus buck, a Starbuck because the dam doesn't have a milk record, doesn't qualify yet. So how can you be putting that on there? Um, so you have to actually have experience with this to be able to test it. So. We haven't been told who is doing that testing. I, I'm a, in the assumption it's, it has to be the IM committee. I did receive a communication from the IM chair, Gary Moore. Um, he was very kind, and um, he replied to me. I had a specific thing that I noted, and it got fixed. And I've submitted over 15 support tickets on a number of items, and um, I was really worried about the stamp duplicate issue. And so I know that he and a core group of the IM committee are doing things. Um, and I don't know beyond that. So I think it's safe to say that the information management committee is still working. I do not know if the, I believe they used 30 beta testers. I think Sir Dominski said that 500 people had applied or volunteered and they picked 30 people. Why they picked that number, I don't know. That That's not my, I'm, I'm not on that committee. Um, so, but then they had some problem with follow through and again, there again, you know, volunteers, you know, there's no accountability, you know, if you, oh, I want to volunteer for that. And then you don't, you know, okay. So um, I don't know who all is in part of it other beyond the IM committee, but I know that they are um, working very hard right now. So if you have gotten a registration certificate um, last week, if you get if you apply for new ones, they will look different and they will look better. They will look better. I mean, I, I got to see a mock-up of one that was I finally said, okay, that's I can deal with that, as opposed to these first ones are pretty 
not impressive. Bars? But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, I don't know if they've if they've improved the font size yet. I'm hoping they get that a little bigger, but um, but it does look better. Um, it, it does. Look, so they are working on it, and the only way that any improvements can be made is involvement of, you know, the membership. You know, letting their representation or the or the committees know. Uh, but it's very frustrating because yeah, there's fires everywhere, um, and so it's it's getting really difficult. So and not to add to um the workload um you know i try not to ask more questions um because you know some people i saw on facebook they they were suggesting a daily report and it's like let's get real i mean i mean if you're going to make them do a daily report come on i mean that's taking time away from fixing something so so i mean curb your curb your anger instead of your enthusiasm so um so I mean, pick your bad. I mean, no one wants, I mean, no one wants this to be bad. And, and to go back to the thing of why, why do this now? It's like, well, you know, if it would have been really tested well, it could have worked fine. I mean, you know, it could have, I mean, it really could have, you know? And so, so that's where, if you have a real good master plan and you empower managers with decision-making and, you know, okay, we've done this. We're pretty confident it's going to work. We're going to look at it. It's like, oh, nope. Okay, only one day. Not bad, you know, but now we're at three weeks. It's like, holy smokes. So, um, but that's all part of, you know, organization. And I I, I think that, you know, that's the exciting thing, you know, beyond NG, you know, we're going to have a new executive director, um, Shirley McKenzie, retiring after 42 years of service. and, And then hopefully this new executive director then can continue with our organization and, and not just our computer infrastructure, but our human infrastructure and our talent of, of knowledge and, and, and perhaps broaden that um, within the office. And, uh, and, and with that talent, then to offer suggestions and ideas of how to make this computer database work for the membership for their goals of breeding better goats or having a more profitable dairy goat enterprise. In the business world and in particular in the ag tech world, we see a lot of the same issues that we're running into um, that you had talked about, Mark, because enough people don't know how systems should work or how specific rules for agriculture should work um, because they just aren't in that industry. So when you did that beta testing, I'm not really surprised that you found things that weren't working because they just didn't know what they don't know when it comes to specific business rules of the technical software. So I'm not really surprised to hear what you had said that that there when you were beta testing it um, back in 2012, I think it was. Um, and I'm, I'm not really surprised here that this system that was rolled out was not super efficient as well because I know how what it takes to get a good functioning system off the ground and it is a lot of work and a lot of rules and a lot of testing. Well, and, and our our programs have are very intricate and specialized, yep. you know, and exactly. so until you really look at it, you know, what does it really take to get a plus plus star buck? And so, I mean, you, you can see, I mean, my, you know, in our whole conversation, I mean, to show, I mean, I'm not just talking you know, about the, the whole being a former chair of development. And then, you know, the idea of, 
you know, breeding a premier sire and having a breeding program through bucks, you know, I mean, that's always been my focus for over 30 years, you know, my first 10 years, it's just, you know, you're in 4-H, but, you know, so that's always been really important to me. And, and so when that was rolled out, it was designed that way because of computer software person, you know, they're reading the rules and they think they have it. And until someone says, nope, that, that didn't work out that way, you know, they don't know it was wrong. So that's why you have to have um, someone with field experience, you know, like our performance programs manager. So that's just really key um, that she, Lisa Shepard, when she was in the position, you know, be part of the conversation um, and, and in a managerial role should have been and should have been listened to. And I fear that um, maybe that wasn't always the case. Yeah, I totally agree. Laura, what were you going to so say? Mark, well, what I was going to say is, so kind of wrapping up everything, what is the best thing that an, that our AGA members can do right now to help this situation rather than to hinder it? Because I think everybody would like to see a, a quick and, and positive resolution to all of this mess and, and maybe let's try to be uh, helpers rather than hinderers in this. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that right now, um, the best uh, way to move forward is ensure that your login works and that you can get it. So if you need a new PIN number or whatever that takes to enable yourself to log in. And so I think that it's all right if you need to fill out a support ticket to say, I need help you know, I need help, you know, I, I tried this and, and write that all in the support ticket. Because um, I know that some members have said that they call and they get hung up on after seven minutes. I don't know what the phone policy is or, or our capacity of our phone lines are. But I don't think that you're hurting things if you at least try to log in because the sooner you can identify some of these things, I mean, you can't do anything if you can't log in right? You, you'll never be able to do anything if you can't log in. So you got to get that, you know, check that box first. So I think they should do that. And then as they encounter things, remember, this will not be solved through Facebook. It won't. It will be solved by you need to fill out a support ticket. And so that, and it, Facebook is great to network and to vent your frustrations, but just posting something on Facebook isn't necessarily going to fix this issue. So fill out a support ticket and then maybe email or call your director and say, this is specifically what did not work. And I'm not making, you know, this is concrete. I know this is wrong, you know, and, and I don't see this item listed as a known issue. If it's already listed as a known issue, well, then you don't need to report it. I mean, other than your own personal login, if you, you know, cause if you need to have them send you a new pin, you need to have them send you a new pin number so you can get set up. I think that makes a lot of sense, Mark. Yes. Thank you again so much for being so candid and so willing to talk to us tonight. And, uh, um, I know that I've learned, I've learned so much and I hope our listeners find that information both reassuring and helpful too. Cause I, you know, I think we all we all love Adga. We want to see it succeed. We want to see our dairy goat world get back to normal, and and uh, maybe down the future, 
uh, they can use our performance programs in the same way that you've been able to and and have their successful goals met like you've been able to also, Mark. Well, there's only room for advancement if you take the time to explore the opportunities that are there and give it, and in this case right now, a little more patience, unfortunately, probably a little more patience in our modern climate than we want to have to exercise, but, you know, we can get there. And um, so I'm really hopeful that, you know, we'll have a great national show and things will be, we'll have, you know, ADGA pre-national show and ADGA post-national show will be two different things altogether. That's what I'm hopeful for. For the, We're going to have a great summer, right? <laughs> yes, we are. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so um, much for having me. I really appreciate it. Mark, before you go, um, where can inf- where can the people find information about your goats and see all those beautiful alpines out in Washington? Oh, um, well, I have a Facebook page. Uh, my her name is uh, Olentangy, uh, Olentangy Alpines. And um, there's a, if you just Google uh, uh, Alpine Dairy Goats Tacoma, Washington, it'll be the first website that shows up at olentangyalpines.com. So that's kind of my humble little home um, that I have on, on the internet. I'll be honest, I've spent some time browsing through that website as a purebred French Alpine breeder. I've even done that because I'm just curious uh, what everyone has because I think we're all a little nosy in the goat world. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know you get you know you get inspiration in places you don't often expect to find it sometimes. Yes. Uh, with yes. that being said, with that being said, thank you, Mark. As always, thank you, the listeners, for uh, coming on our adventure today, talking about um, everything happening in the goat world. As always, you can find us on the Facebook um, Goat Gab and find us on um, anywhere you get your podcast: Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple podcast as well and if you'd like us tell a friend we'd love to grow this thing and bring some more members into our goat gab family so thank you all and have a great week thank you everybody goodbye mark and goodbye cameron we'll see you all next week